Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Beat him up. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Stevenson. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Pacers got the steal, outrunning his Brissett, pounds it home. Washington, again, five of them. Go, go, good job. It's it to Taylor, Taylor missed it, tips it in. Oh, the, pace, the Pacers clearly yeah. won this trade. The Pacers clearly won this trade. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Healed. Hotter than fish grease. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. This is Tyrese Halliburton, just got here in Indiana. Um, I'm super excited to meet you guys and super excited to get started here. Go Pacers. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. We are officially on All-Star break, so uh, that's not going to change too much for us over here, but exciting times. The Pacers get their first one under the Tyrese Halliburton era. Fachi, lot to talk about today. Lot to talk about. I mean, look, at some point, the boys had to win again. The seven streak, seven, uh, you know, game losing streak, it's over. I mean, it was hard to lose to those Wizards. It really was. Um, but it was a game that in the end, man, I mean, the Pacers just, uh, they could not find a way to lose this one. So I'll give them credit. Yeah, were you rooting for a win or a loss there? I mean, look, it's it's hard to root for wins these days. It really is. I, I've somehow, I, I've crossed over to the point where, not to say that a win would have, like, disrupted my night by any means but you know a loss no longer hurts me so were you rooting for the pacers loss or the wizards win i'm sure that was conflicting there for you yeah right i know you're trying <laughs> to back me in a corner here but you know what i just wanted to do whatever was best for the franchise all right yeah um, no no it was a really interesting game i thought tyrese halliburton looked great 21 points 14 assists five rebounds i believe and then terry taylor 18 points on the second half Tristan Thompson, your boy, yeah, okay, eight of nine last night with a monster uh, alley oop. Like uh, you know, final game as a Pacer, I think you couldn't have asked for a better uh, you know ending there for, for Tristan Thompson. No, you really couldn't. I, I just hope that in in the end of things, if the ping pong balls don't bounce our way, we don't look to that random you know, 17 and six performance from Tristan Thompson before he skipped town, um, you know, to get us a win. But uh, in the end, Alex, pretty cool moment. You know, you recorded Rick Carlisle mentioning that Tristan Thompson was going to be on his way out. And then next thing you know, I'm getting a notification from Woj who retweeted it. So I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I won't lie. I just happened to like watching the live stream on Valley Sports and you know, obviously streaming is about a minute behind nowadays. So I, I saw the tweets and so I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to record this video and share it for context. People are curious, you know, whatever, you know, not a big deal. 
And then all of a sudden I like put my phone down on my charger. I'm about to go to bed and I see like my light flash up like 10 different times. I'm like, what just happened? And so I'm like, I'll like you text me and some other friends, text me people on Twitter and message me like, bro, you just got retweeted by this. And like, you know, show me screenshots. And I was like, well, you know, it is what it is at that point. I just thought it was funny. Uh, pretty, pretty wild to get, you know, notifications from Woj retweeting your own tweet. You know, that is pretty wild. I know that he yep. did actually retweet the quote tweet from Dave McMiniman. Uh, I believe maybe it's uh, maybe I'm saying the wrong name, but Tim McMahon, Tim McMahon, that's right. Uh, covered uh, Dallas there with, uh, with Rick. So he obviously, you know, quote tweeted it. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. He didn't have to do that. He could have just uh, stole my video and tweeted out his own thing. <laughs> yeah. But with that being said, it's pretty cool. You know, and I thought it was funny how Rick addressed the whole situation there uh, with Tristan Thompson said, well, it's his last game for us. He's going to a team up North starts with the C ends with an O. And then he was like, uh, if you didn't catch it, it's Chicago. <laughs> so, Classic call. You know, and he said, I didn't really feel bad saying it because it's going to happen. So he said, no reason in uh, feeling bad about telling the truth. But um, I want to just go back real quick to your tweet on February 8th, 2022. I'm going to be honest. I do not ever want to see Tristan Thompson put on a Pacer jersey. Flip the man or buy him out, but I have no interest in pretending to root for this man. I read the rest of your tweets. I couldn't find anything else about Tristan Thompson. I never tweeted one positive thing about him. If anyone ever said anything like, Tristan Thompson's looking pretty good, good vet leader, I was silent. I just looked. I did not want to be a full-on hater, but it made no sense for this guy to be on this Pacers team. Moving forward, it, sell, it seemed like if it was up to Tristan, he, he would have been out of here earlier. Clearly, they were working through some stuff. Whatever it was, in the end, he was a pacer for about nine days, four games. I mean, you had a great tweet. It was twice <laughs> as long as Andrew Bynum's stint. As <laughs> oh, I mean, they both go kind of hand in hand, except I guess when Bynum left, he like kind of tore apart some of the locker room or Hibbert, whatever it was. It was just neither, neither was a great fit here. I mean, <laughs> I don't think Tristan played bad in his four games here. Like, he did, to be he honest, he, he was a, he was a fine player. And I, and I love that he gave the, the, the Indiana a farewell after four, four games here. That was um, something. You know, it was interesting. But, hey, you know what? I respect it. Honestly, I was starting to get myself sold on Tristan Thompson the moment I saw him play the air guitar after he had made a basket. And, like, yeah. I'm like, Lance effect, man. Lance is already affecting Tristan Thompson. Like, real. It's, it's 2022, and Lance Stevenson and Tristan Thompson are both on the Pacers, and both are playing – uh air electric guitar i was like you know i i can't even be mad about anything right now like this is like what life is about here you know it's, it's like crazy it is crazy um now we only have one texas center on the roster now that tristan thompson has officially been waived via scott agnes i saw that on twitter um it's going to be a buyout from what we saw we'll see how much that's worth but i think it's important now Fachi, with tristan thompson off the roster now this team has an open roster spot so a lot of different ways they can go to fill this roster spot they can add guys uh, on 10 day contracts, kind of, you know, do some trial runs. They could promote one of the guys on the two way deals, bring them up to fill that 15 man roster and then bring in different guys on two way contracts or they could just leave it open. You know, they don't have to bring anybody in. But um, what do you what do you think they should do? And, and maybe some names that you're interested in. I got a major soft spot for Terry Taylor, and, and I feel like I'm catching serious O'Shea Brissett vibes mm -hmm. because I feel like this is someone that, you know, a, Carl has praised Terry Taylor. He, he said things like, man, I don't know where they found this guy from. You know, he, he's been very effective. I just feel like Terry Taylor is the kind of guy that if you can reward with a multi-year contract right over here, 
it's going to be a bargain. I mean, you look at O'Shea Brissett. O'Shea Brissett this year playing on a $1.7 million deal was phenomenal. I mean, last night O'Shea kills it with 17-6. Next year's team option is $1.8 million for O'Shea. We have to pick that up. Uh, you look at Terry Taylor. I think if you get him in on, in on a similar contract right over there, it's going to be a steal. And you're, you're rewarding someone who's worked his butt off, who came through the G League. And look, when you look at the two-way contracts, it's between him and Dwayne Washington Jr. I feel like Dwayne's cooled off, while I feel like Terry is just, that man's a grinder. And uh, I just kind of feel like, hey, why not try and check that last box on how the Pacers front office has done a great job of finding young talent, but also locking them up. Another contract I think that comes to mind, Edmund Sumner. Remember yeah. when Sumner signed that deal? It was such a steal. So I'm catching those kind of vibes here with Terry. Well, let's let's talk about Edmund Sumner for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Um, would you bring him back to fill that 15-man roster spot now that you've traded him in the offseason right before the season started at training camp? The Nets waived him. He's in, he's in Indiana working out. If you if you really want to bring Edmund Sumner back on this team, is it worth maybe trying to see if you can sign him now before he comes back in the offseason and other teams have more of the opportunity with more roster spots open to, to get their hands on him? It's definitely very intriguing. It's something that I haven't thought about just because I don't know how, you know, I wouldn't expect him to be on the court. I know that he said that he's making some, you know, great progression in his rehab. Achilles injury is is always something that you got to be very careful with. We saw Kevin Durant miss a full year. We also saw yeah. Cam Akers return in five months in the NFL. So it, it, it's crazy, but uh, you brought up a good point. I mean, that is, the, I don't know what the Edmund Sumner market is going to be like, so I'm not expecting everybody to kind of run out and try and sign him. It is a good opportunity for the Pacers to get ahead of it, but while I feel like while they have Terry Taylor on the roster in a two-way deal, it's hard to pass up not converting him to a full-time uh, roster spot. Right. Now, I, I would agree with you that I think Terry Taylor is the most deserving of this roster spot over Dwayne right now and over mm-hmm. Edmund Sumner. I, I was just throwing it out there because, look, we, we all love Edmund Sumner, and I think it was really hard, like when we talked to Kevin Pritchard, on our podcast at the beginning of the season, he talked about it. It was very hard to let Sumner go, you know, and make that trade because, look, they didn't really want to move on from him, but with him being out for the year, they needed they a backup to. point guard. And, and, you know, Brad Wanamaker was the guy they brought in. Obviously, Ooh. nobody wants to remember those days. but That feels like a year ago. It, it really does. So, you know, we had Brad Wanamaker for, like, the first 20-plus games of the season, and he wasn't very good. So, But he filled a need at the time. And so now there's ways they can go about it. And, you know, if you, if you promote – a guy like Terry Taylor to the roster. Okay, so now your roster is full. Then you can look at two-way deals. And so plenty of guys in the G League I think they could bring up. I know Nate Hinton was a guy that played for Carlisle in Dallas. We saw mm-hmm. him in the G League. He got some minutes there. Um, Justin Anderson, I do not believe he can be brought up on a two-way deal. But, you know, that's another guy to keep an eye out for that 15-man roster because Rick Carlisle brought him in here when he was uh, when they had the hardship exceptions and everybody was out with COVID. Um, another name that they could technically bring back would be kind of a slap in the face, but Keithan Martin, a guy that they waived. I was surprised he wasn't picked up by anybody. Yeah, I mean, I that's surprised, but it was kind of like, a, oh, that's really unfortunate. Like, hmm, a lot of guys were getting call ups at times. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't really know what happened there. Why he didn't get even a little bit of a call up for a hardship exception or something yep. like that. That's interesting. I mean, that's a good point. But yeah, I just I find it interesting. And then like last night. I know the Pacers are trying to win games to a certain extent, but they're also trying to lose. Keeper Sykes, a, a DNP coach's decision when they only had nine guys available was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, you have to wonder how long-term Kiefer is with this team. 
that could be another roster spot. And then, of course, Ricky Rubio is expiring. I mean, but if you're just looking at at the one spot, I, I think if you rank them, it's Terry Taylor. Then it's probably doing Washington Jr. And then an outside chance for someone else to get it, maybe, if you feel like you need to go out and, and sign somebody else. Yeah, I, I really feel like this is the type of season where, like, look, it hasn't gone the Pacers' way, but I feel like you're starting to see young talent play really well. And I feel like being able to promote one of your guys from within – I feel like it, it could kind of send like a great message of like, hey, you know, we're rewarding over here. You know, great stuff. We're, we're looking to keep this core together. You know, maybe that's just my opinion over there. But, you know, I, I do think when you look at Terry Taylor, you're looking at someone that is just working his butt off right now. I mean, he was beyond effective in that second half against the Wizards. And that is not just the first time he's had a big game. He's put up some pretty big games. Yeah, no, I mean, it was impressive. I mean, he was just everywhere at the right time last night. 18 points, 9 of 11 shooting. All in the second half when all those makes came, nine rebounds once again. I mean, he's he's been playing great, and I think anytime he's gotten the opportunity, he's proven why he belongs in the rotation. So, you know, Terry Taylor, I, I think this is a really good guy to keep around, and um, we'll uh, we'll see how moving forward they uh, they continue to use him. But I've been incredibly impressed with them, and I think the Pacers, similar to O'Shea Brissett last year, have found another diamond in the rough with this Pacers roster, and um, you know, and, and get them on a cheap contract. These are kind of players you, you really have to invest in knowing that you have them on this lesser deal because it opens up so much more for what you can do in terms of what other contracts you can bring in. Absolutely. I mean, look, I, I don't, it's not like, I think if we were going to be doing something like, Hey, we're going to be trying to save up to resign TJ Warren, something like getting Terry Taylor on a cheap deal is perfect. Now I don't see Warren's market being like that. So uh, cap space is something that is going to be, Nice to have. Don't really know what we're going to do with it, but being able to lock up a guy like Terry Taylor now, I, I just think still just gives you so many options with this team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's for sure, Pachi. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk more stuff involving the Pacers. All right, everybody, we are back. And so I just wanted to say thank you all so much for the replies to the tweet I put out the other day asking for podcast topics or questions that you had for us. Uh, not necessarily a mailbag podcast, but wanted to uh, touch on things that you guys are interested in. And so uh, we felt like this was a great question to start off with today. Um, probably one we can answer in a couple more months if we have more clarity, but um, our good friend at Young Simba 2000, um, he did send out his apology to the Kevin Pritchard uh, fire train. But I wanted to say this. He said, do you think the Pacers will make moves to be back in the playoffs next year or is this a multi-year rebuild? Fachi? Look, the Pacers are always a team that prides themselves on making the playoffs. I do feel like they're going to go for it next year. I think they got a bunch of assets in terms of extra picks that they could either move up in the draft. They could trade picks, you know, for uh, a current player. They have cap room. They're going to have about $26 million in cap room. And they could be trading, you know, looking to trade maybe Brogdon or McConnell. So, I don't think that we're going to say, hey, look, the Pacers are back, but I feel like we have every right to believe that you give us Tyrese Halliburton over here and maybe even half a healthy roster, and I think that we could at least be competing in the play-in tournament area next year. Yeah, I mean, I think the Eastern Conference is pretty good. I think there's still some question marks on how these teams are all jumbled up and how the playoffs plays out. Like, we know after the playoffs, there's always going to be roster shakeups because teams are unhappy with how their team performed in the playoffs. I feel like they need to make a move. I and mean, we saw what happens with Ben Simmons last year. Like 
it's too early to really answer this question in terms mm -hmm. of agreed what we think is going to happen. But with that being said, Tyrese Halliburton was on NBA Today with Malika Andrews, Kendrick Perkins, um, Richard Jefferson. I forget who else was on there, but they uh, they were talking to him and basically just asked him about you know the difference between playing in Sacramento and Indiana and if he's noticed anything different. And he said, "Look, he said I'm not trying to you know be disrespectful, but Indiana has a history." of making the playoffs. They have a history of winning games. And so the goal is not to go through a rebuild, but to get back to the playoffs next year. That was from Ty Tyrese Halliburton himself. Look, they've, they've got a young player here. That they believe can be here for the next decade. They, they've got a young player in Chris Duarte. They really like miles Turner is still going to be on this roster more than likely to start next season. Uh, you have question marks with buddy Hill, Malcolm Brogdon, what you could do with them. Jalen Smith's a big question mark as well. If he'll be back on this roster, but they also have their first-round draft pick, cap space, and, you know, the ability to make trades. So this Pacers team, to me, look, we love the idea that they're tanking for this season. I think this is not something you should get used to. This is uh, an anomaly, <laughs> and we're going to get the benefit of being able to watch this team grow, but at the same time try to lose some games so they get a better draft position. And, and, and look – this pick, both Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan have come out and said this draft pick could be franchise changing. So, you know, you get you a guy to line up there with Tyrese, Duarte, Turner, whatever group they keep around. It's got the potential to be a playoff team. Um, like Fachi said, it's more probably a play in tournament team, probably in that seven to 10 range. But we're only scratching the surface surface with what Tyrese Halliburton can be. So I don't want to set any limit on what this Pacers team can be until I see uh, Halliburton with this, you know, new and new and improved core that, that Pritchard and Buchanan are going to build together with Carlisle for the 2022, 2023 season. Exactly. Look, it's been fun lately watching this team, but we still need to see Brogdon out there and Miles Turner out there. And, and just like, so many other questions in between. So it's hard to really judge this team when it's just a lot of guys that kind of lack experience or are more in the younger parts of their career. So I, I do think if everything goes well, and you know, typically with the Pacers, it does not, but it, it, things could shape up to the point where I could see them in the play-in area and then maybe the following year competing for the playoffs again. But look, that all depends. I mean, just like you mentioned, a franchise-changing draft pick could change everything. Well, I think we need to start right there because, look, franchise-changing draft pick, um, the Pacers right now have the fifth worst record in the NBA. So they're they're slotted for fifth, and we'll see what happens when it comes to the draft lottery, obviously, right? Like, Pacers couldn't move up. They couldn't move down. We don't know yet, but we know they're probably going to be anywhere from that one to eight range, right? So yeah. with that being said, we've had a lot of questions about the draft, and I promise you we are going to cover a ton of NBA draft on this podcast as we continue to get closer to the draft and March Madness specifically. I'm going to do a huge March Madness preview before that to get you guys up to date on what to be looking for. But with that said, right now, Fachi, on 217 at 630 in the evening, Eastern Standard Time, give me your top three players that you like fit-wise and in that range for this roster. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be hard to pass up Jaden Ivey if he's there because, <laughs> look, it, it, the combination of Ivey and Tyrese Halliburton just feels like something special. It feels like that would be our edge over there. And then you still have Chris Duarte. So I'm very excited about that. Shane Sharp, look, none of us can say, oh, I know his game. I've watched him because we haven't. 
The man hasn't played college basketball. We can watch some high school tapes, maybe like some AAU stuff. But right over here, when you tell me that he is the best prospect in 2023, I'm sorry, but it's hard for me to pass that up. So I'm very intrigued by Shaden Sharp. Uh, so I, I need to learn more about him. And then at that point, then it starts to be like, hey, are, are you looking at a big man? Because there's a chance that the top three picks in the draft are all big men. Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo. I mean, th th those three right over there could easily go top three. And, and th that order could switch around. So I don't know if the Pacers will have a shot at any of those three. But when you start to look at a Jaden Ivey, a Shaden Sharp, I mean, there's even, I know you're really high on Johnny Davis. Uh, we got some people sending in A.J. Griffin, small forward out of Duke. I mean, those are the guys that I'm really looking at. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm not really, I've like, not to say soured on Ty Ty Washington, but I have my eyes set on uh, maybe a little bit more star potential. Yeah, I mean, Ty Ty, he's probably more like the the bad calf of the lottery, like the yeah. 7 to 14, 8 to 14 range. So, you know, I understand that. Um, obviously, Jaden Ivey, I think I put a tweet out yesterday. I don't know if they played a game since then, but shooting 40% from three, Fachi. I mean, that's that's big. And Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, you know, he had a really good game against IU the other night. IU could not, for their lives, hit a shot at the end of the game in that game against Wisconsin. And look, IU basketball right now, like they've got some good post players, but their guard play is just complete trash. Uh, they, they have a lot of guards coming in with their next recruiting class. So we'll see what IU can do there. But in that game, I'm, uh, I'm watching Johnny Davis and I'm thinking to myself, you know, defensively, I can see why Carlisle would like him. But if we remember what Chris Duarte said in a press conference, he talked about how Rick Carlisle calls the mid-range jail and how, you know, he likes his team to shoot a lot of threes. And so I'm looking at Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis has regressed as a three-point shooter from his freshman year to his sophomore year. He's also taken about 70 more attempts per uh, for the year already. So he's upped, upped his, uh, you know, takes per game, right, in terms of three-point shooting. But I'm a little bit worried about it because he's only shooting 33% from three. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a, a great <laughs> three-point percentage. It's not like the worst, but it's not very good. Like 35 is where you want to be at. I believe Ty Ty Washington's at 35. So I'm a little bit soured on Johnny Davis a little bit. But, um, you know, I think the mystery box is something that you always like, Fachi. Love it. And that's, and that's what Shaden Sharp is. He's a mystery box right now. I um, am. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a good yeah, mystery box. So it's, it's really going to have to take an incredible workout from him for me to, to think the Pacers pull the trigger on him early if they have like a top five pick. Not because I don't think they would, you know, I think they could see Shaden Sharp as maybe the next big thing for them to go out and, and draft and, and maybe taking a risk. But I could also see them being like, hey, we've already got our point guard. We really want to win now. We don't want to waste any more time trying to develop another player. Carlisle's here to win. Let's see if we can get something that is more of a more of a fit. So I like AJ Griffin a lot. Uh, Sam Vecini had them taking the Pacers taking him fifth in his mock draft for the athletic. But, you know, I, I worry about Paulo uh, Boncaro as well. I mean, he's only shooting 33% from three again. So another reason why I'm a little bit hesitant. But Jabari Smith, man, have you seen his three-point per uh, percentage yes. this year? Yes. 41.9%. And he is a position of need. He's 220 pounds already. This man is going to be a stud. I, I really believe it. And I know that the last game that he played, it was kind of blah. But, I mean, not a great rebounder. I think he needs to work on that being more of an aggressive rebounder. But the fact that he can shoot the three so well in a Rick Carlisle system, averaging one steal and one block a game, 
Uh, 15.8 points. I feel like he's a plug and play right away guy. And it's not just about, about fit. I think overall upside, just as pure athleticism, his body style, it's really intriguing. So like I, I have him number one on my board right now. I, I really do. I, I just think that he is a special player. Um, and I worry a little bit about Chet Holmgren. I know he's got some really nice characteristics and I've seen some people even comparing him to Kevin Durant in college, but I just don't see the same uh, mechanics in terms of how, how good of a player Kevin Durant is, like how fluid he is. I feel like Chet's a little bit hard to figure out, still hard to gauge what he can become. So for me, it's Jabari, it's Jaden Ivey, and then I'd probably go, um, I'd probably go AJ Griffin right now. I just, I, I just, I feel like his overall game seems like it'd be a good Carlisle fit. Yeah, look, with Chet Holmgren, obviously, if you're just going from like a sheer numbers perspective for a freshman, I've seen his numbers are up with some of the best of them. Um, however, you know, I, I, I think we all have those same type of reservations. Just seems a bit too lanky. I mean, he's going to get pushed around. I mean it's, it's going to be tough to determine over there. Jabari Smith. I mean, you talk about from a three point standpoint, the man just went seven of 10 from three in his last game against Vanderbilt. So, you know, you're not seeing too many big men, you know, make seven threes in a game. So he obviously has a lot of special characteristics easily could go number one overall, if not top two, um, Johnny Davis, the thing about here, I'm just not sold that he could be a star. And it's not that, not a lot of guys can be a star, but if you're picking fifth overall, you better be picking a guy that has a good chance to be a star. And yeah. I, I do think Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp, I do think those guys could be a star. A.J. Griffin, I'm going to have to watch a lot more of his game. I, I feel like from just a sheer numbers perspective, I feel like it doesn't reflect that compared to you know guys that have the ball in their hands a lot more and are doing more with it. But I, I really do feel the Pacers are in a great spot to be – you know, swinging for a home run. And, and I think at this point, they got to lay everything on the table. I mean, you have an opportunity to move up for a guy that you are in love with. You got to do it because this is the draft where the Pacers are going to be picking high enough where it might not take, you know, mortgaging the future over here. This could be potentially say that the Pacers are picking fifth and they want to move up to four or three. I mean, you got to be thinking fifth overall pick, Cavs pick, you know, we'll take on a bad contract. I mean, at that point, that could be good enough to move up one or two spots. If you have to do what you've tweeted about, you know, trade next year's first round pick. If you're looking at an absolute star, this could be the time to do it. Well, and that's the thing. I just, that's why I said like, this feels so much to me like the Luka Doncic draft where Carlisle, you know, kind of embraced the tank for Dallas. And even at pick five, you know, getting up to three to get Luca, like it takes a little bit of luck with the with the franchises above them. Like, look, obviously Phoenix had to take eight and they they didn't need a guard. They already had a really good ball handler in Devin Booker. And, and what and obviously DeAndre Ayton went to Arizona. So it made a ton of sense. Marvin Bagley to Sacramento. That Legendary is the one pick. that Legendary. one is just bizarre to me, right? I mean, we've we've always seen like it always feels like the number two pick, like there's a lot of like misses on number two. I don't know why. Always. But, and I mean, and I don't know why too, but like D'Angelo Russell, like I really liked him, but like you look at Miles. Kid Gilchrist. Um, Derek Williams, yep. you know, from Arizona as well. I look at the, uh, the 2015 draft with Miles Turner, that lottery, that first 10, I mean, oh man, outside of Towns going one, I believe. I think it was Towns that went one, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, it was. Yeah, outside of that, like you had like a Zonia Daniel, five, Moutier, 
Yeah. Manuel Moutier, you had Christoph Porzingis, who really was not very good. D'Angelo Russell was a second overall pick. Jaleel Okafor was in that. I mean, you just talk about it. Justice Winslow was picked before Miles Turner. So it's like um, just a lot of like a uh, lot of weird picks. And so to me, it's like I feel like this is similar to that where Carlisle sees a couple guys in the top three to four that he really likes and he'd be willing to make a trade up to get them. And I think Kevin Pritchard, just if we like someone, we usually attack it and we get it, you know? And, and to me, I'm looking at teams like Orlando and Oklahoma. These are the two teams that I think if the Pacers are really trying to get to number one or number two, these are the two teams that you really want up there and Sacramento possibly at number three, because look, if you really think that Jaden Ivey is the guy, right? Sacramento don't need another guard. They've already, exactly. they yep. don't need a guard. So they're not going to be like, okay, uh, you look at OKC, they could use a guard in the sense to go next to Shea Gilgis-Alexander if you really like Jaden Ivey. Got Josh Giddy. But what I'm trying to say is too is like if the Pacers said, hey, we'll give you – we'll swap two spots back with you. Or you can – you know, we'll swap two spots ahead of you. But we'll also give you a 2023 first-round draft pick. You think OKC's going to turn that down? They ain't turning that down. No, they're not turning down a first-round pick that could be in the lottery from the Pacers because there's no guarantee they make the playoffs, right? So now the Pacers – give up their next year's pick. They move up to like number two or number three. And if they have spotted Jaden Ivey as their guy, they can get Jaden Ivey. You might not like Jaden Ivey as that high of a draft pick. So if you're mad about that, don't get mad at me. I'm just throwing out an example. Okay. We're playing a little bit of like a scenario type of thing here. That's where I could see it happening. I, I think Orlando's got a lot of guards, you know, Cole Anthony, they, they just drafted uh, Jalen Suggs last year. They got RJ Hampton. Would they take Jaden Ivey? Possibly. But I think that Chet Holmgren makes the most sense for them right now. Totally agree. And potentially Jabari Smith, um, because I don't know how much they're going to want to invest in Jonathan Isaac moving forward. So mm. there's a lot of question marks there, right? So that's why I think those three teams are the most to like, you know, wonder about. I think Jaden Ivey to Houston could make some sense if Houston gets up there. So that could be your biggest competition. Um, but Houston, another tanking team, would they be willing to move back a spot or two and take next year's draft pick from the Pacers, I think they would. So with the way everything's going, I, I think that it could benefit the Pacers uh, if you're wanting Jaden Ivey for those trade scenario reasons with those teams that I mentioned. But um, other than that, is there anybody else that you like didn't really bring up that you think can maybe be on the fringe outside of like the top five? Like one guy that I've been hearing a lot from a lot of fans recently and uh, somebody you brought up before, um, I watched some highlights today. It's Benedict Mathern from yep. Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um you know, looking at his numbers, I mean, he's uh, he's playing pretty well this year. His three-point percentage has dropped a little bit, but he's still shooting about 37.5% from three. I uh, I really like his game overall. He's improved as a two-point shooter. His field goal percentage has improved, and he's taken five more attempts per game. So, really, for me, I, I feel like this is a guy that is maybe a little bit under the radar. Yeah, he is. I, I definitely like him a lot. He's a, a big part of the reason why Arizona is having a successful year. However, I, I just – He's the kind of guy that I feel like if the Pacers – if things went bad and the Pacers fell to, like, eight or something, I feel more comfortable taking him over there. If yeah. we're inside the top five, then I want I want to swing for the fences on, on one of the true star-type players. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how I feel too. But let's say the Pacers only viewed as, like, a top three draft and they think they – and they really like Benedict as, like, a piece. I think they could move back if they were, like, to have, like, pick six or something. They could move back, like, two spots and maybe pick up another asset somewhere. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, I'm just throwing out different scenarios today because that's what I'm doing. But I like that idea just because I like I like going after guys that not necessarily fit a mold, but he's six foot six, 210 pounds, 
Um, you know, second year player, I think second year players are always a little bit intriguing because they've had a year of college to kind of get their feet wet. And then they come back and, and, and play a different role, a bigger role, and they are able to improve. That to me is a sign of a player that's willing to grow and willing to put in the work, even with a bigger role and a bigger target on his back. So, you know, I'm not saying he's like in my top five or anything like that, but I really like his game. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things to look here with this draft. I've really liked like the top 10. Um, I, I haven't done enough research on like the bottom half of the draft, but, you know, everyone's calling this a weak draft, but I, I think there's some potential here for the Pacers to get much better after this year's draft. Oh, definitely. But I do have one scenario for you. I want to hear your thoughts. So say the Pacers are slated to pick number five and Houston's at number three. If it wouldn't cost, if it, if it was, you know, wasn't going to cost us a future first round pick, but we were going to have to take on the John Wall contract. It's just one year, but it's like one year, like $45 million. Would you do it? So say if it's the fifth overall pick and maybe, maybe we have to throw in, you know, Cleveland's pick. You take Wall back, but we ship out Brogdon. Uh, I don't think I'd do Brogdon for that deal. Um, I think you can get more for Brogdon elsewhere. Um, maybe Buddy Heald instead in that in that deal, in that scenario. You trade Buddy Heald plus five and 24 to move up to three and take on John Wall's contract. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You, in any scenario, Houston's mm. trying to shovel us Wall's contract. Uh no, I think I'd rather give up next year's pick than take on John Wall's contract <laughs> because it just doesn't give you any flexibility. I, I agree. It, it could what, murder one year of production at point guard, well, but it depends how bad you want to move up to three. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could flip John Wall later in the offseason if you feel like you can get something for him. But if you could, then Houston would have traded him already. So, I mean, I get that he could be an intriguing – is he an expiring this year or the year after? No, next year's his last year. So, essentially, I mean, this man is going to skip the whole year because Houston thought it would be better to not pay him uh, – not play him, but pay him. So, essentially, the best option would be that you might be able to flip him at the trade deadline uh, for, you know, whatever it is, lesser value, a couple a couple fewer contracts. So, maybe at that point you're able to, to you know – maneuver it but it depends <laughs> if we find someone that we love at, at pick three and that's available that might have to be something being discussed for honestly anybody yeah there's no way i'm doing that i mean he's got 47.3 million dollars <laughs> oh yeah it's scary yeah and, were, and and at this point the pacers look they're in no position to tell him to remain home and that we'll still pay him so you know it could be kind of a, a frustrating year but it was just a scenario to see hey if we can save a first round pick is it worth it and it looks like he has a 15% trade kicker. Woo! So <laughs> oh, now that man. was that was voided when they did the Washington Houston trade. So we okay. have to avoid that. But man, now I just Fachi, don't scare me like that, man. I don't like that idea. I don't like that thought. Um, if that's the case, then I'm trying to find someone else to partner with, or I just stay at five and take best player available at five. Um, you know, not and it is it's it's a good idea, it's a good thought to think through, but there's no way. Um, maybe if you took on Eric Gordon's contract, if they wanted to do that or something, you know, that's, and that's too reasonable at that point. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like just give him some flexibility, but you know, John wall, I think the Pacers, maybe they'd have to get into like a three team deal. Like, you know, all of a sudden, like the Lakers are like, all right, we'll do this John wall for Russell Westbrook thing. So maybe you get a little bit less money. Maybe you get a pick involved with the Lakers getting off Russ's contract. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's uh it sounds pretty ridiculous to me, but yeah, I mean, 
It depends on how much the Pacers want that guy at three. Uh, you know, I'm not the Pacers. I can't tell you what they're thinking in their draft boardroom or their draft room, excuse me. So um, it's, it's always a tough discussion there when you're talking about different things. But overall, draft-wise, I think right now, if I was going to just give my final thoughts, I'm really intrigued by the idea of Jabari Smith in the starting lineup. And I think right after that, I'm probably um, I'm probably going next to most intrigued by Jaden Ivey in the backcourt with Tyrese Halliburton. I know that he already played in the backcourt with De'Aaron Fox, and it might not have been great, but I think I think that there's a possibility with his shooting, Jaden Ivey can play more off ball. Exactly. Yep. Um, that's they can. The, that's all, the difference right there. You have two dynamic ball handlers. You have two dynamic offensive scorers. Uh, you can stagger their minutes if you need to, so you don't ever have to worry about playing like, you know, uh, a key for Sykes, no offense, you know, someone like that significant minutes. And uh, you also throw Chris Duarte in the mix. I know people have asked this question a lot, like, what do you do with Duarte if you take on two guards? And I know people are like, don't throw him at the three. Like, I don't like that idea. Well, it's like, okay, bring him off the bench. Let him be the sixth man. Who cares? Like, yeah. you know, Duarte's had one season of basketball and the team sucked. So he shouldn't really <laughs> be making demands on what he gets. Yeah, it's true. He it's might true. want to start, but it's like, come on, Fox. Like, I'm not trying to be mean, but if Ivy and Halliburton are that much better, then then he's just going to have to accept that, hey, I'm the sixth man on a really good young team. Or, you know, if he wants to be moved in a couple of years, whatever, then they find a trade for him. But it's just like he can close games just because he doesn't start. It's just oh, yeah. people just overthink it too much. I mean, I'm not worried about position as much as people are. Now, look, you have to do what's best for the overall franchise. And uh, Chris Duarte has been fun. He's been really good. I, I enjoy him. But at, at the same point, look, if you have a chance to snag a potential star, then I feel like it's, you'll, you'll figure it out. You will make it work, whether all three of those guys are closing in the lineup, like you mentioned, or Duarte is coming off the bench and he could be a potential six-man of the year candidate, or whatever it is that, that you're going to do, figure it out because we need the best talent available. Exactly, exactly. So obviously a lot to look forward to this weekend with – Tyrese Halliburton being on the rising stars. Unfortunately, Chris Duarte is still out with that toe injury that we talked about in the last episode, so he will not be able to make it. But, you know, Fachi, I'm still really intrigued to see how this new and improved rising stars game looks. I'm not really sure all the details of it, but I know Tyrese Halliburton is going to be out there representing Indiana very well. Um, already love this uh, young young man so far and what he's brought to this team, the energy that he's brought, the charisma that he's brought, and just – how well he represents the state of Indiana. I mean, the comments he was saying about watching high school games and getting Pacers retro clothes, like, it's just like he's endorsing it already. It is endorsing the community, embracing the community. So, you know, we've heard Pritchard and Buchanan say it. They think that uh, this guy could be here for the next decade, and uh, I'm just excited to see it, Fudge. Oh, I loved every second of that. Just being able to emerge yourself in the community right there means so much to so many people. I had one of my friends who's a Knicks fan say, think you guys got yourselves a good one with, with this guy. And sending that interview, him talking about going to the Butler game recently, my response was hands off. He's happy. All right. So <laughs> literally it was like, don't even think about it. We finally found our franchise point guard and he's saying all the right things. And it's just, it's really exciting to see because I just feel like, this man just wants to win. He wants to work hard. And it just it just seems like just the whole package overall is the perfect fit for what we were looking for and him just wanting to be wanted by a team. And I think the Pacers, the whole fan base, has embraced him, and rightfully so. It's deserving. We love you, Tyrese Halliburton. Do not break our hearts like we've seen with other All-Stars. So, um, all right, 5 so we're going to wrap up today's show. Let the people know 
where they can find us on social media. All right, so you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. Find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're excited that Tyrese Halliburton is representing the Pacers at All-Star Weekend, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Peace out, everybody. And thanks so much for listening. Jackson Thomas.